This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. And we are so glad that you could join us this Saturday morning. We're back in studio. A lovely, gorgeous yes. day. I feel like it's cracked open. I feel like we have spring officially 100% right I in. did. I did read your feed this morning. Oh, you did? I did. What did I and write? I can't remember. the theme was it's cracked open, people. Yeah, I know. I really believe, like, uh, the other day I walked out. I was sitting at my little table where I do all my writing and stuff. And I looked to my, I looked out my window and I could see just at the bottom of the yard a little pink popping haze. And I thought, what is that? I don't even know because, you know, I moved into this house in August and there was some stuff, but I yes. can't remember. So actually, September is when I moved in. But so yeah, I you wouldn't have seen this stuff. No, and the stuff I saw, you guys, rhubarb. Rhubarb is popping up. A lot of rhubarb, too, from oh what God. I saw. That was one of three patches. Um, this is very exciting. This news. is hard for me, though, because, you Why? know, I don't. Like, I love rhubarb. I've never had it in my yard, so maybe this is a changer. But like I make compote for I, well, drinks. Well, I think I'm gonna do. I think we're gonna have to explore. I think it's gonna be a rhubarb exploring spring. I think we're gonna see how creatively we can take this. Have your friend um, Eric Eastman come over. Yeah. Show you how to make things with rhubarb for drinks. Yeah. No, I mean it goes with gin sure. amazingly. Yeah. Um, what's funny about this is, so you move into a house that has excessive amounts of rhubarb and you don't like it. <laughs> I move into a house where I have no rhubarb and I love it. So I haul around this pot that I get from the farmer's market for like a month yeah. from garage to house, to house to garage so that I can bring it up to my cabin where nothing grows. Cause it's Ely. It's like the frozen a, tundra up there, yeah, and it's rocks. but rhubarb will grow. Wow. So I have, we bought, um, when we bought our, we have a cabin on an island and we bought a cabin across the lake on the land so we can have some land access. And that cabin had this ring with rocks around it that just had like weird grass growing in it because yeah. nobody ever did anything with it. So last year we hauled out the grass. We grew the only thing that we thought that the wildlife up there won't eat, which is rhubarb. Rhubarb. So we hauled this pot back and forth. We have planted rhubarb last year because we missed it so much. Yeah. So we haven't been up to the lake yet. It's they're predicting ice out up there could be like I don't know Memorial Day. Yeah, I know that was um. It's snowed, um, yeah. you guys. It snowed in Duluth yesterday. It did. Just gonna say. Yep. Let's so, all have a moment of gratitude for the metro yeah. right now. <laughs> so we're gonna you're gonna have all this rhubarb. I'm finally gonna so have rhubarb. I'm gonna have to bring it to you though because I'm gonna be like, Please. it looks like it's gonna be way too much for me. <laughs> I and you can easily freeze it. And I have a big freezer, so compote for still- drinks. Yeah, but how, I mean, like, that's like, <laughs> how often is that going to be, like, my day, drinking that much rhubarb is what I'm saying. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like- I, I'm thinking about it in terms of doing it slow roasted to see how that works, like, within, like, you know, like, a kind of a chutney for 
for like meats and stuff. Doesn't Kim Odie have, someone has a rhubarb cookbook book. that I actually I know. have. I know. Somewhere. I feel like I do too. So I just, but it's, it's funny. It's just like, it just kickstarted my brain into like, blah, 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 blah. Yes. There's a lot of savory rhubarb. You could make like a uh, rhubarb chutneys, rhubarb yeah. stuff that you could can right. with your very new instant pot. Right. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't done. I mean, it's brand new. The one that you can can in. Yeah, I'm not gonna go buy it. <laughs> I actually might. Will you? I might. I am not gonna can. I don't think ever. I think I I'm just gonna want save to, that. and then I probably won't. But I'll still. Buy you have it. like a desire. To, I don't know what it is that I just don't feel like I care about canning stuff. And I'm probably, here's the deal though, you guys. I have always had a container garden, you know, so I've always mm-hmm. eaten everything I grow right away, pretty much, because it's always been so small. So this is that first year that I have that big garden. And so there's a possibility that I could yield more food than I know what to do with. And then I might... Let's hope, because I'm going to be around a little I'm, more this summer. God, yeah. <laughs> I know you actually have to come visit me in the summer. I know. I I was at your old... In 11... Is it 11 years or yes, 10? Yes, oh God. At your old Who house, knows? I was there one, one time, time and I still haven't been to your one new time. house I know have you been to mine yes I came for Christmas party oh you did you cookie, cookie party, party this year where we uh treated Julia like a small infant and yes. moved her legs up and down because she had a gassy stomach yeah that was bizarre speaking of them speaking have you noticed that the man wall in the my talk 1071 studio that is getting increasingly weird in the me too movement Wait, I'm just gonna say that it? yes Stephanie someone has laminated Hope, do you know anything about this? No, I like I never go in that studio, so no, I haven't taken a look yet. That's weird. They're protecting. <laughs> it, they're protecting, they're protecting their real estate here. All right. In the Me Too movement, I think we need to have a harassment moment. I just okay behind when our guests come in. It is weird when we are, have young men come in, especially and, and everyone kind of, comments on and, it, and they don't they don't know how to feel about <laughs> yeah. it. A and they, they get um, assaulted with men without their shirts on. Famous celebrity men. You guys have seen these pictures in the backgrounds when people take like photos, yeah. you know, guests and stuff. Do you two know that I have women in my studio? Yes. Because Donnie that, Love. That yeah. was Donnie's small <laughs> protest. But yes. his protest doesn't seem to be working as much. People don't know it's there. No, I know. Hey, I got to be I got to ask you a question. Do you because you're a traveler and you travel around the world. Um, do you ever seek out like fast American fast food in other countries? Yes. Okay. I don't eat it, but I look for it. You do look, for, you don't eat it. You don't go in or do, I, I have, mean, like, is it a, a sociological moment for you where you're like, what is this? It's that they have different things than we have here. And I want to see the different things. I've eaten a few of the things. Mostly I'm just looking though to see what the things are. Okay. Cause when we were in Japan, you know, Kentucky fried chicken opened like I think it was like the the same week, or maybe it was Taco Bell that opened the same week we were there, and we didn't even try because the lines were ridiculous, and we didn't we didn't even try to go. But here's some interesting news, you guys. I don't know if you under knew this, but McDonald's has opened a new Chicago flagship restaurant, the McDonald's of the future, and um, it appears that it's the six thousand square foot restaurant on the ground floor of its new corporate headquarters in Chicago. And it is basically serving all the international McDonald's foods from all over the world. That's amazing. That you cannot ever get and that we are all jealous of. I'll totally go to it. Yeah, well, guess what? Next time I'm in Chicago. They sold out of all the international (laughs) foods. 
I would do it in a minute. It has a one-of-a-kind menu with a selection of items previously only offered at its international locations. There's a spicy chicken sandwich from Hong Kong, soft-serve ice cream treat from Brazil, strawberry sauce with strawberry sauce and chocolate-covered coconut candies. Um, and oh, then yeah. they're going to get like the lamb McSpicy from England or the bulgogi burger from South Korea. Yeah. So all of this, and they're all, it's all uh, touch phone. It's all like order by touch screens. I was, and you can do it on your phones. What was the airport I was just in? I just traveled recently. Oh, when we were going to Las Vegas to go on our Arizona road trip. Yeah. Utah road trip. Um, there was a bunch of touch screen restaurants um, there. Yeah. There's inside the airport. Yeah. Well, yeah, all the airports are doing it because they have always been unionized. And so that's how they're going to go now. Yeah. That's kind of what it sounded like. Speaking of it, there is uh, the first uh, burger. There's a unionized burger restaurant that is is one of the first fast casual, like fast food, not inside a unionized building. Huh. Yeah. uh, And I can't remember what it was. I was going to link to it. But that was kind of interesting. That's a new that's a new happening as well. I it is interesting. Um, the union sort of rose up out of the food industry, actually, and manufacturing long, long, long ago. And then in the food industry, they kind of went by the wayside, with the exception of like Las Vegas and very um, New York, some of the more larger cities that the food service industry was more of a career than. I don't, that's not the right way to say it because yeah. then it sounds like it's not a career here. But well, the you know hospitality piece, I mean, like all, most of the hotels are unionized and right. those, and, but it's like the face to face service hospitality, especially with the tipping model. It all is, goes back to tipping. tipping. Which, I know it really does. I'm exhausted talking about it. <laughs> we have point. talked about it a lot. We have, and it's not over. You know what I mean? And it's only, no, St. Paul is just ramping up. And, well, if you saw, I interviewed the mayor and my, the articles mm-hmm. out in the May issue of the Minneapolis St. Paul magazine. And interestingly enough, he's, you know, he's very much pro minimum wage. He was sort of, he was anti, um, he was pro with the minimum wage increase. And he was waffling on the fence of the tip credit, but he was sort of not, he realized that he couldn't make it happen on his own. So he decided to use his political capital in other places and saying that he, you know, used his influence to then get the extended release for the minimum wage increase, yep. meaning that they have seven years. Um, but he, the one thing that I thought was interesting that he told me was that they commissioned the Minneapolis Federal Bank to do a study that will release results every year in July. Uh, that that is an independent wow. and just measuring the economic impact on many levels, not just the restaurant industry, right. but on the healthcare industry and on the, you know, a lot of different little economics, you know, areas. Yep. Because one of the things he said that people were crowing a lot about the restaurant stuff. He's like, but we had these like nursing homes who were saying we are only allotted this much money to care for this many people. And when you say we have to raise the money, raise this wage, then we have to then say no to caring for more people. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because my um, my daughter's girlfriend is a home health care worker, and when she got the job in a in a managed care setting, here was her first day. Okay, so you're getting paid eleven dollars and twenty cents an hour, and if you want a raise, you'll have to go lobby at the Capitol because That's... we don't give raises because we are only able to pay the minimum wage. Yeah, like just right first day. That's it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you're never gonna get a raise here, nope. people. Mm-mm. And when you're not to be gross, but you're having to deal with people's bodily functions and people that need help and have disabilities, like eleven dollars and twenty cents for some of the work they have to do is not very much, folks. No, no, I know. 
Well, that's interesting stuff, you guys. We are uh, we have a great show. We have a lot of stuff to cover today. We're going to talk a little bit about... We're going to talk Bloody Mary stuff. Bloody Mary. I'm excited about that. We've got some James Beard Award announcements. We're not going to say them until oh, we get there. So You're going to have to hold. Uh, and then we also have just a lot... We have some Mother's Day stuff coming up. And uh, we have Heather Kim coming She in. wrote a great cookbook, you guys, oh, called so Sweet excited. Revenge, Passive Aggressive Desserts for Oof. Your Exes and Enemies. We're going to dive into it later I on. I love it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, we will have all of that and more on The Weekly Dish. We are The Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Stephanie March. And we are here with Renee Bellinger. She is on Instagram, Bloody Good Bloodies. And I met her at the Bloody Mary Festival that we did this last weekend that sold out in like 2.2 seconds at the Union Depot. Yes. Pull your microphone a little closer, honey. Okay. Um, So I had never met you. I'd followed you on Mm -hmm. Instagram. So that's always funny when you meet someone in person. R-I-L. Yeah. You're like, hey, hi. Yeah. So you gave me the ropes of Bloody Mary judging at this competition. Um, have you judged lots of Bloody Mary competitions or how did your fascination with Bloody start? So it started, I couldn't really pinpoint, I guess, when it started, but I've always loved them. My mom loved them. Just always when I started drinking, you know, started drinking Bloody Marys. And then, you know, when all of the social media platforms kind of blew up, I hopped into Instagram at a really good time. At the time, I think there was maybe only one other one that I knew that was dedicated specifically to that. So it's such a niche thing. Um, so I really got into the judging about a year ago. And I really just asked. You know, okay. It wasn't really popping into my lap. So I asked and made it, made it happen. So I had talked to somebody. I knew that this festival went all over the country. They were based in New York. And I really wanted to just get back to New York on a personal level. So I asked, and they said, sure, come out and help Well, judge. you had a lot of professionality. Thank you. <laughs> Which is my favorite word. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, I like yes, that. That's a lot of professionality. Yeah, so yeah. I get there, and they give me the clipboard of how I'm supposed to be judging. And I was like, oh, this one seems kind of vague. And right. Renee is like, okay, I get all of the Bloody Marys, and then I bring them all over to this table <laughs> yes. over here. that I've, And then I can, like... You have a a system. It was a system, and it was kind of a lesson learned from some of the other festivals. The lines get so huge that if you don't run, literally run across Union Depot and grab them all at once, you might be out of luck. But you don't get like a special judges thing that lets you like go grab your own kind of thing? Well, we have our judges lanyard, and one of the other judges says that gets you to the front of the line, but I guess I still have the Minnesota nice. I feel bad kind of busting You need to spend more time with me. She hasn't obviously hung out with Stephanie March, the butter of all butters. There's no reason for lines, people. Right, right. So I'll, I'll get there, but that system works. Because they let you in a little earlier and everybody's supposed to be prepared. So yeah. you can kind of go and grab those those drinks, photograph them. They're really beautiful. They're like five ounce samples, but oh my gosh, they put they put a lot into it. So let's talk about the Bloody Mary Festival participants and mm-hmm. some of the winners there, but also in a global sense, I want to see if there were because I know there were people that have great Bloody Marys in town that weren't at the festival. Right. Um how right. many people were there? How many bloodies did you guys have to judge? 20. There were supposed to be 20. A few didn't no showed. show. Yep. Got the Rotten Tomato Award for that. Right. So, yeah, a few of them didn't show, but we did 16 or 18 that we had to judge. And then there were four, I think, local like bottled mixes that were also there sampling their products. So although we didn't have to judge those, 
you know, I still had to go and be professional and drink. Yes, all of them exactly. And taste test. Yes. Um, the there were two, three categories that we mm-hmm. judged. We judged Bloody Marys on traditional recipe. We judged them on a unique recipe. Okay. And then we judged on the garnish, which yes, people, if you participate in this festival in the future, go all out on the garnish because yeah. it was ten points, and some people just had like a little piece of lime and an olive, which is so maybe not, they didn't know or or they just didn't spend the time on it. Yeah, and we had talked to a few people that. Their whole goal was really just to get the word out about their restaurant. So they weren't as concerned with winning anything. Yeah, that makes which sense. Which is a good thing, too, because there were, I don't know the number, but I mean, there were hundreds, potentially thousands of participants or people that attended. And so that's a really good way just to get your word out and get a sample of something that you might not try. So the original or the unique recipes, Mm -hmm. uh, we had a Thai basil Bloody Mary from the Happy Gnome. Do you want to talk about that one with Charles Lovejoy's? He's going to be packaging up this mix for Lovejoy's mix. I will dream about that, that mix forever. So what the Happy Gnome does is they do their um, build your own Bloody Mary bar. I think it's only on Sundays, but they offer so many different house mixes that are just amazing. They're not your they're not always just your traditional flavors. And I remember going there probably a year, at least a year ago and trying this. Thai basil, basil and mm-hmm. thinking it was amazing. So when they entered the contest and that's what they put in for it, oh my gosh. And it it wasn't just us that thought it was great. I mean, they they had a lot of um traffic and just And they used a pickled radish and a meatball kind of as part of the garnish stick, yeah, which was, it was cute. Beautiful too, the presentation. So to do that. To have to put out that many samples and know that it's just go, 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 they put out really beautiful. <laughs> I don't want a meatball on my... I'm <laughs> I just going to tell yes, you. Yes, you do. I do. Yes, I don't want do. a meatball. It was a yummy meatball. I don't mind, like, the craziness mm-hmm. of it all, but, like, and sometimes I get, like, but, like, at the Twins game, you know, like, the cheeseburger yeah, the burgers. and all the I things. I want that. Oh, God. Someone makes, had a rib. That makes me... I mean, if it was... I would see a rib would be, rib like, the really smoky, good. that kind of meat. Yeah. Like, that would make sense to me, but, like, having a sandwich on top of my Bloody Mary is very strange to me mm, there well, was a it's a there, personal thing yes there was a bloody mary entry that was really surprising the uh joliet house at the marquette hotel yes so what the joliet house did and i hadn't heard of them and they are in the old basil's restaurant yeah they just yeah they're kind of even maybe not even totally fully yeah open so it is definitely not what you would traditionally think of when you think of a bloody mary it was a clear Bloody Mary. It was like the juice. You know so how you yeah. strain it? Yeah, they did the like centrifugal. The you know, the, yeah. Centrifuge for and, the stuff, probably. I mean, the ingredient list was huge, but consomme. it was so well balanced how they did it. And it was it was very good. It was mm. a very good offering. So, Do you, Was there strictly vodka in all of everything? Or was yes. it like people, mm-hmm. you couldn't vary that? Nope. No, it was vodka. And the, the festivals always have a vodka They have a sponsor, sponsor I'm sure. So, for it. Right. Um, so they... They all have to use that vodka. I know that one of the restaurants that we had gone to ahead of the festival does a vodka, an infused vodka. So but, they were yeah. talking to to get that vodka ahead of time so they could do their own infusion oh, to actually put out what they Moscow what on they the offer. Hill, I think, had an infused. They probably did. Yep. Oh, so like yep. whatever, if it was like effing vodka, they was infused their... And you. And you. Okay. I'd never yeah. heard of it. New. But yeah. I like a gin Bloody Mary is my point. Yeah. Sometimes I'm... And I, you know, gosh, the old hot dish used to have a bourbon Bloody Mary. That was really good. 
I tried a bourbon Bloody Mary. They were not a participant in the festival, but down at, um, I believe it was Handsome Hog yeah, in St. Paul. And the manager had asked if I had ever had one. And I'm not a bourbon fan, but he basically scolded me for being a Bloody Mary professional and not being willing to try. Yeah, it. you have to like so branch out, out, man. Yeah. yeah, so he brought it out. And if you like bourbon, it's definitely the way to go. I still was not a fan, but... There you like go. Like the professional, I drank it. Good for you. Yes. The traditional winners uh, for the judges was Doc's Bar and Grill and the Tailgate Sports Cafe in South Minneapolis. Doc's yeah. is in... Um, they are in Sturgeon Lake. Sturgeon Lake. Lake. Yeah. Yes. So I am from up north. I'm from up by Duluth, Superior. Yeah. So we do stop by there quite a bit on our way up and they do put out a huge... There's two that they offer. One does have a sandwich, but the other one has more of the ribs yep. and the smoked meats, but they are huge and it's kind of a nice roadside... Well, it's my kind of roadside attraction. Yeah, to stop we at. and I they mean, were the ones with the rib. Was mm-hmm. was Victoria? Was Floyd's Bar there? Do you no. remember? No, because Floyd's Bar out in Victoria, they have okay. what I feel like they were they were like early early adopters of the massive garnish situation oh, okay. in town, and they called it uh, the Happy Meal. I mean, we used to. I mean, it was. I I mean, I wrote about that like ten years ago before everybody was like yeah. going crazy with it all. Yeah, it kind of blew up within the last couple of years. Yeah. the the huge. Garnish, and in the end, it turns out that I still want a good drink. Yeah, underneath it, I mean, yeah. it still has to be. But for the social media aspect, and there was Instagram one especially, it's kind yeah. of it's more of like one of those like out of control crazy food. Yeah, right. And I started to feel like I, I for for prettiness, great, but for actual drinking and eating, oh, right. you know, that's right. Thing. You still need a good one to just yeah. be. Able Speaking to of garnish, yeah. there was a place that I'd never heard of that actually won um, one of the best Bloody Marys, and it was called No Neck Tonys in Stillwater. I've totally had a Bloody Mary there. They had like bacon, um, cotton candy floss, and then they had this like stick that had a white lemon chocolate. Yeah, it was that was really. Yeah, it is a nightmare to my. It tasted great, but not necessarily with the bloody or complimenting the bloody. I didn't think, but that would be great with a mimosa. Like I'd be down with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Did you like like the Bloody Mary candy grab bag of all all different Uh things? The Bloody Mary itself was still really good underneath all that. Mm -hmm. It took forever to get through it, but I. And I don't know if that's what they put out at the restaurant with the the little white chocolate she lollipop. She said they use that white chocolate lollipop okay. and other yeah. things. Mm-hmm. I remember having, we went antiquing and we, you know, stopped there for a Bloody Mary because that's what everyone in town was saying. They have great Bloody Marys. And I remember, and I just usually say, look, I just want the Bloody Mary. I usually say you mm-hmm. can keep the garnishes. But it was, it was really good. I remember the flavor being really good. Yeah, and it was. It was a really solid bloody underneath that. But yeah, it was... It was one of the funnest to take pictures of at the festival, just with the, the bacon, cotton candy. It was crazy. I've never seen that. I'm going to quickly touch on mixes, because Fast Mary's one, and that's local. Spooky Craft Cocktails also was recognized, as well as Sportsman Redneck Juice. Yes. As I love we, my, yeah. We've got like one minute left. What okay. is your, like, give me your two favorite Bloody Marys. So for the mixes, I really do love Fast Marys. They're an enhancer, so you just have to throw it in some tomato juice so everything's already concentrated and ready to go. And I really would say Happy Gnome as far as the participants. I am going to give a shout out to Carbonis in West St. Paul. Please. They are very simple. They make it you know, housemade. It's just Clamato and the seasonings, but it is so good every time he puts it out. And so it's the nice little local place yeah. to go. Not one I of love these that. fancy, trendy, hip 
places. You All know? right. Yeah. Well, people can follow you on Instagram, uh, Bloody Good Bloodies. Yes. And I hope they do because you have a great feed full of Bloody yeah, Marys. Fun. And thanks for helping me learn the ropes about judging. It was super Absolutely. fun. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. This is Stephanie March. And Stephanie Hansen. And Stephanie Hansen. And we are so glad that you could join us today. I got to tell you, last night was the James Beard Awards for media and journalism, not the mm-hmm. Chef Awards. Those are happening May 7th. So we still have another couple weeks. Two weeks. These are the awards that we always say we're going to submit an entry for every year, and then we don't. <laughs> Those awards. Because, yeah, we're busy and stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, this is what this is for all the books. This is for the magazines. This is for the broadcast, uh, podcasts, and everything else. And so um, I guess really the biggest news, you guys, get ready. The lovely book by our lovely favorite Beth Dooley and Sean Sherman, The Sous Chef, the, it, it won the medal for American Cookbook. Best it's, American Cookbook. It's so funny because I saw Beth at the Women's Chef Conference on like Monday. We participated in this panel together and we were talking and I said, you know, your cookbook's going to win. And she was like, you think so? I was like, yes, it's going to win. It's unique. It's different. It was well put together. The story is there. I was like, that's going to be the winner. And she was like, oh, I hope so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, if you really want to get down to the sous chef's indigenous kitchen, what what other book could you say is more American than that? I mean, when you get down to it, it pretty much defines the category. So I think that was great. But congratulations to two local Minnesota humans who are just out there having a great time in New York and celebrating. So And doing a good job. God, doing so well, just honestly. So some of the other things, and this is kind of, I wanted to bring some of the media stuff that's happening around. So I know it's 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 the time where we want to be outside a lot. Yes. But that doesn't mean you can't have your earbuds in to listen to podcasts or you're sitting in your bed reading a few cookbooks. And, Makers of Minnesota, come yeah, on, you yep. should listen. Uh-huh. But, and Weekly Dish is podcasted now, too. So wherever clearly. you find your podcast, you'll find Weekly Dish. Right. So if you're, and some of you are listening to us right now as you're out gardening. Or you know, at the cabin. On a, on a Sunday or maybe, oh my God, a Monday. So it's kind of fabulous. Um, some of the other things that won last night that I just kind of want to bring out that are really great uh, resources and things if you're looking for. Jim Meehan put out uh, Meehan's Bartender Manual if you're looking for a great beverage book. Very cool. Very, you know, easy to understand. Um, just a lot of fun. I paged through that one the other day and I was thinking I was going to pick that one up. It's on hardcover on Amazon for 20 bucks. So it's kind of Love a lovely it. thing. Um, general, we talked about this one early uh, earlier in the year, I feel like. And this is uh, Samin Nosrat's Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Do you remember this? Yes. Mastering the Elements of Good Cooking. This is a great beginner's book, you guys. If you are really looking, and you're also looking to build your repertoire on cooking without a book. If you want to learn to become sort of an intuitive cook, like, you know, you have certain dishes like that you Smarch can... likes to be. Yeah, I think like if you don't, my aunt is such a... A, a recipe just like you know obsessive like she needs the numbers and she needs instructions and so I've been trying to coach her a little bit of like come on let loose a little bit <laughs> she needs to read your Nigel oh, Slater book appetite yes that is the best that is the best book for, for intuitive cooking <laughs> this is a great one to teach you the metrics and to get you to understand the science behind things and not even science it's not science to understand that the magic of cooking and how it works so that then you can apply that magic in your own ratios and things. Ratio, another, another good one that I read because you Michael made me. Roman, right. But so salt, fat, acid and heat won last night. That was wonderful. Um, 
some of the great uh, other things. This one I really loved by the way you guys. Champagne is a if you want to really dig into bubbles, or this is a great Mother's Day book, by the way. Yum. If you want to hand this to someone, um, Peter, uh, what's his name? Peter Liam. He has a champagne book called The Essential Guide to the Wines, Producers, and Terroirs of the Iconic Region. And it really gets into, like, we all talk about bubbles, and we know that champagne is a region, right? Yep. And you have, like, in your bucket, you're like, I know Vouv is great, and maybe, you know, um, Perrier Jouet. The one starts with P, yes. And, you know, Samon, <laughs> Bilecaire. If you want to be Nico, but you, this kind of really digs into some of the really great, if you have someone who wants to really love champagnes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a really lot of good things, which by the way, Certix carries a lot of cool grower champagnes because our friend Noel um, star really likes them. Yes. So she Why gets not? the story and yeah. finds them. Dig into some, of, I think that with a bottle of champagne, by the way, for a mother's day present yes. would be something I would tell my children. <laughs> Something and a beautiful uh, chocolate bar. Yes. Top two an hour two. I have a new chocolate that's oh, yum. Okay, exciting. And we are going to talk about Mother's Day stuff. Uh, there's a the uh, the single subject cookbook that one. Usually that's like you asparagus. Know, yeah, or rhubarb. <laughs> uh, this one is pho. Oh. So there's a pho cookbook. Easy wow. two adventurous recipes from Vietnam's favorite soups and noodles by Andrea Nguyen, and. Um, I would like to become a pho aficionado. I was going to say, this is a book, I think, that would help you sort of really dig into those levels and really sort of become a, a to- kind of like a pro. And around town, there's so many great soups yeah. that it might be fun to do that. Um, one of the things that people, the Book of the Year Award, this is a very interesting book that has kind of gotten around. We haven't talked about it. I was hoping to get a copy of it, but then it kind of fell off my my uh, my radar. But this is called The Cooking Gene, and it's by Michael Twitty, and it's a journey through African-American culinary history of the Old South. And mm. it is really, really interesting because he's uh, Twitty is a renowned culinary historian, and he's got a really great sort of perspective about, you know, kind of the cultural issue of race and Southern cooking and cuisine and all that kind of stuff. And how, because when you think about how Southern cooking is suddenly becoming so much more prevalent in even the North, I mean, we have... So many crawfish boils all of a sudden that it's kind of crazy, but kind of really digging into the understandings of all that stuff is I think that's a kind of a that's a good long read. If that's a good cabin read, if you're a yeah, food person and there's not recipes in it, it's more no. like memoir driven. Yeah. Oh, this looks good. I know. I kind of wanted to find that one, but I have to do that. Um, OK, so then just as far as documentary, there's a, a documentary called Barbecue that's going to be on that's on Netflix. That if you're into it, it's not the barbecue. <laughs> barbecue. Barbecue. There's a lot of great, you know, food documentaries being out, being put out there, which is lovely. Um, the best podcast that they gave an award to was for the Sporkful. If you have, have you ever listened to that? Yes. Yes. So that's Dan Pashman. He has a ton of people on with him all the time. Really fun. I did this event, Stephanie, just the other day at um, the Textile Center and Lynn Rosetta Casper was a guest. Yeah. And she was just answering one of the questions that I asked. And, you know, by doing so, she told a little story about her Italian heritage and she got done answering the question. And I just looked at her and I said, I just want to say that you are missed. Yeah. (laughs) Like just her melodious tone and her ability to tell a really good story with lots of color and it was like I could feel like I was in this Italian countryside that she was talking about. Mm-hmm. That is such a gift. Yeah. 
I don't have it, but I admire it a yeah. ton. Well, I mean, and she, yeah, she really has, she is a storyteller yes. of crazy proportions. Um, and I just, yeah, you're right. I kind of hope that she, I don't know, I want her to do a documentary or voice over something. Something. I want that. I want that from her. Do you remember, too, when we were at the Women's Chef Conference, someone made a comment about a documentary and they called it Netflix style. Like, I didn't want to do it like traditional TV. I wanted to do it Netflix style. Do you remember no. that comment? And I thought, wow, that's do you? I mean, when Netflix first came on board, we were like, oh, Netflix sending oh, me, renting me a DVD in the mail, yeah. the actual mail. And now we're talking about it in particularly in the context of food cooking documentaries and docu series like Netflix style. I just thought that was a real yeah. shift. It is. It is. It is a very it's a huge thing. I mean, it is the, the speed of technology and the way our social culture is evolving is crazy. I asked. Um, a couple more things before we go. I just want to let you know that Craig Claiborne Distinguished Restaurant Review Award went to Jonathan Gold, rightly so. From he's at the LA, Weekly. LA Times. Yep. And uh, he is just, I think he's having his, I think he's in his like, in his moment. Sweet spot. Because LA is a very cool place right now. Um, a couple other things I wanted to let you know as far as podcasts and stuff. David he has a podcast too, by the way, that's really quite good. Jonathan does? Yes. Oh, what is it? I'll find it. Okay. David Chang has a new podcast. Oh, so he's started his one uh, and it's on the major Domo media. You can find it. Um, and he is just him, just him talking. The funny thing is this podcast was recorded while he was opening major Domo restaurant in LA. So if you're ever wondering what it's like, and he does talk about it, about what it's like to be opening a restaurant. And he talks about his fears of what the critics will think and how he thinks maybe LA will think this is the biggest joke ever. Of course you cannot, Get in to Major Domo right now. There is like a three month wait for reservations. There you go. So that's really interesting. So look up that podcast, David Chang. And then I'm going to put this on the uh, on the list because I don't think we ever put this up, but it's the spring cookbook preview and from uh, Epicurious. They have 37 new cookbooks to buy this spring. Some really great stuff. Um, you know, there's just a lot of fun stuff. There's yes. a lot of great things coming out that are interesting and beautiful. And, you know, I got to tell you, Nigella's got a book out. Oh, she does. Yeah. It's high time. I know. It's at my table, a celebration of home cooking. And I just think that Nigella is kind of mint. So I like her. Jonathan Gold's podcast is called Good Times on the Road. Um, I'll go ahead and put a link to it. Okay, perfect. And we are going to take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, don't forget it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So we'll take your questions, comments, anything you want at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. 651-641-1071. is our phone number for the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. Feel yes. free to call in and ask your questions or at Steph March at Stephanie's Dish. We also have a button on the MyTalk1071 Facebook, or Facebook page. You can reach us or our show page. We, that was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Hey, we have a call. We have Jody on the line. Good morning, Jody. Good morning. How Hi, are Jody? you? I'm great. How are you, ladies? Good. What can we do for you today? Say, I'm having a baby shower a week from tomorrow. There's going to be about um, uh, 20 ladies there, women. And um, I'm going to, I'm just really struggling with uh, what to serve. I wanted to figure out how to find popovers. I used to serve those uh, whenever I'd have kind of a nice event. Yep. Uh, and then salads. I have the dessert all figured out already, so I'm good there. Okay. Um, I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't know. I, salads and sandwiches or what? 
Uh, sounds so boring. I already know what Stephanie's <laughs> going to say, so let's see if she no, says no, it. No, 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 you say well, you always have the good recommendation of the thing I don't think of, which is the little cucumber tea sandwiches. Oh, yeah, I do love those. So I think you here was here's what I would do. I would do egg salad, tuna salad, chicken salad. And I would make one of the salads like without mayonnaise. So maybe it's the chicken salad that you do more of like a mustard vinaigrette or yeah. something. And then I would get croissants and ah. lay all that out with a salad. So just three separate dishes of three different salads yep. and then a croissant. Yep, because then wrong. people can either eat it on lettuce. They can make a croissant sandwich if they want. You could even put wraps out if you want, but people can sort of assemble their own based on these three different salads that you have. Okay, I like that idea. Yeah, that's a if good idea. If you really want to jazz it up, too, and get old school, you could do ham salad, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of mayonnaise. Oh, I'm like feeling really mayonnaise about that, but I do like the idea of doing one with like sort of an uh, olive like a oil mustard vinaigrette. Mus- yeah. or- also, and yeah. I, for me, it's like I always think if it's a if it's a baby shower, and you know, people aren't expecting to like eat big, and they probably don't. So if you do, literally, just do those little French bread sandwiches with like I just I just go prosciutto and a hunk of brie and some good olive oil and maybe a basil leaf. That's magic. And uh, what are you saying? The little, um, what, what is that? The, the bread part of it? The crostini. You can either do crostini or you can just oh. buy little French, French baguettes. bread baguette and then just slice them up. Got it. Got it. Okay. I've done this yeah, too baguette. with little, I've done this too with the little baby croissants. Those are cute too. Those are good. Okay. All right, All right. Jenny. Oh, where do you get baby croissants? At any, at any of the bakeries have them. Do you like the grocery store bakeries? Yeah. Or, yeah. or you could call like the Salty Tart and see if they can make some for you. All right, I live downtown, so that's handy. Yeah, that is handy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and then, what are you? What are you? What are your thoughts on um, uh, on uh, a broccoli type thing? Is that gross? Um, I know some people love the broccoli salad, you know, the cold broccoli salad. And I've had Stephanie Meyer makes one that's spectacular from her, you know, family recipes. But personally, I find it hard hard to eat a big cold hunk of broccoli in a brunchy. Yeah. Aspect. Okay. Any good recipes I can get for the chicken salad, tuna salad, and uh, would you recommend like Epicurious or something like you that? You know what? Or? Look for the Weekly Dish Facebook page, and I will okay. put some recipes on there for you. Oh, I love you. Okay. Thank you. Give me Thanks, some time Jenny. after the show, but I'll come up with a couple. Okay, good. We also have Brian on the line. Hi, Brian. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um, gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches. Is there a new restaurant opening? All Square? Yes. Yeah, I don't know if it. I don't know if it's. Um, let me look it up. Yeah, I, it's not open yet for sure. Okay. Um, we do know that it is uh, a sort of a social justice restaurant too. Yeah. You know, they want they're they're kind of um, opening so that they can give people who have been on in hard times a better like a better chance. I feel like it's isn't all that what that square is? grilled cheese with a purpose. Yes. <laughs> Um, the young woman that is taking this under, uh, it's grand opening, they say is July 22nd of 2018. Okay. South Minneapolis. Yes. Yes. And yeah, I don't know what kind of, I have not seen a menu, so I don't know what the grill, like the gourmet aspect of it is at all or, but I will tell you if you want a really good grilled cheese that you could try the Lynn Hall, which has got a spectacular grilled cheese. Put the grilled cheese on top of the Bloody Mary. Yeah, that's... (laughs) I'm not going to say about that. I would do a dip on that. Let's just be clear. If it was a righteous grilled cheese, I would dip it in my Bloody Mary. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Yum. Brian. 
Where is the place, Stephanie? And it might even be Barnes and Noble in yes, Edina that, is that has my the best awesome grilled cheese. Favorite grilled cheese. I'm not kidding. It's so weird. Barnes and Noble Kitchen, which is the in the Edina, their little restaurant in the basement. It's really good. And I gotta tell you, that little that bookshop, the way that they've got everything. If you are a bookshop human, oh, you know and you please love, be a bookshop human so we could have a few left. I know, I know. And it's just it's really it's a fun, bright space. It's captivating. It totally makes you want to be there. Hey, we have Susan on the line. Hey, Susan. Hi. Um, I'm trying to lose some weight, and so I'm trying to drink less alcohol. But I go out with my friends for drinks, and if they're having wine and cocktails, I mean, I suppose I could have a club soda or a Diet Coke, but most of the mocktails at places are full of sugar and juice and everything. Yes. Do you guys have a suggestion or a recipe for a mocktail that would not my diet i think oh i think you know if you do anything with a shrub kind of is one of our favorite things which is a drinking vinegar um and so what you do is you get just a shrub with a little bit of soda water that gives you enough flavor so that you don't feel like you're just sucking down water um i would you know and it gives you a little bit of uh, a little bit more of a cocktail feel but it, it's definitely not loaded with that much sugar can i make a suggestion okay. too yeah okay and this is gonna be weird <laughs> But either get like Dorothy Stainbrook has a shrub, Twisted Shrub, Calvet Shrub. There's a lot of good local shrubs. So go to like Certix or France 44 and get one of these shrubs and carry it around in your purse. Because then you order your soda water with a lime and then you just do your own little mixing at your table. And it won't you'll have a nice drink that won't be full of sugar that you'll really always have something with you. Oh, I could do that. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a little weird to be mixing at it the is table. A little, but don't I'm maybe not, do it in front of the bartender if you're <laughs> sitting at a bar. But I would say that if you just ask your bartender, they will help. If you say, I'm trying to cut down on sugar and no alcohol, give them those parameters. Okay. They'll come up with something. Okay. I would always, I could do it myself too. Uh, like you were saying, Stephanie, dump the shrub in because I'll just help you with liquid. Yeah. Yep. All right. Part of it, Thomas's there you go. Muffin.